This is Pure Murders and Mysteries. Let's talk murder. Welcome back to Pure Murders and Mysteries. I'm Jasmine. I'm Lindy. And I'm Brad. In this episode, we'll be talking about the unsettling disappearance of Brian Schaefer, who vanished off the face of the earth spring break 2006. No leads have turned up since, besides conjecture and dead ends. Before we cross the crime scene tape, we want to let everybody know that Pure Murders and Mysteries is brought to you by PureFandom.com. Pure Fandom is filled with some amazing writers who bring the latest information on movies or TV fandom that you love. Please keep in mind that this episode deals with true crime, violence, adult topics, and may not be suitable for all listeners. Now that we have that taken care of, let's talk mystery. The previous four episodes, we dove into cases of the murder variety. Tonight, we'll be discussing the disappearance of 27-year-old Brian Schaefer, an Ohio State University medical school student. His body still hasn't been found, and other than a shaky connection to the smiley face killer, for all intents and purposes, Brian Schaefer's cold case is a mystery, and not necessarily a murder. We'll be giving you the basic rundown of the case, touching upon the theories that surround his disappearance, and offering up some of our own theories before the end of the episode. Our main source for this episode is Columbus Monthly's article, which is titled In the Name of the Father. So we'll link to that in the article on Pure Fandom so that you can read that. It goes into granular detail. So we recommend checking it out in its entirety, as well as many, many other articles that dig into this case, because there are a ton. Notably, there's an entire Reddit thread that exists devoted just to this case, Um, And we will link to that as well. Really, there's a wealth of information because there's so many theories behind what could have happened. So we're going to link to some of the best ones that we found that we really used in this podcast episode. We'll put those in the article so that you guys can do your own research. Okay, so let's start with the facts. Brian Schaefer was a second year med student at OSU. All the articles out there touch upon about how good looking he was, which is interesting. Um, He was a brunette athlete. He had good grades, good friends, good romantic status. His favorite band is Pearl Jam. He actually had a tattoo of the Pearl Jam stickman symbol um, on his upper right arm. And he had a distinctive black spot on his left iris. Yeah, it's the the stick figure that's on the cover of one of their albums. Mm -hmm. And... um, Brian Schaefer is hot. Like, look up his picture, Google him, or it'll be in the article. He's a good-looking dude. Mm-hmm. Even when it was, like, in the early 2000s when a lot of the pictures were of the MySpace variety, he was very good-looking. On the night of his disappearance, Brian had dinner with his father, Randy, who noted that Brian looked extra exhausted. Supposedly, it was because Brian had just finished a rigorous round of exams, but Randy actually w- didn't want Brian to go out with Clint that night. Clint was Brian's roommate, and Clint and Brian celebrated the start of spring break 2006 at Ugly Tuna Saluna after dinner. The boys bar hop, taking shots along the way before getting to Ugly Tuna Saluna around 9.30 p.m. Brian had a girlfriend at the time. Her name was Alexis Wagoner. She was a fellow second-year med student at OSU. Rumor was that he was going to propose to her during spring break at Miami that they were going to go together. Alexis later stated that a few days before his disappearance, Brian told her he was struggling with his mother's death and that she should move on and find someone else to be with. 
Aww. We'll talk about yeah, Renee a little bit later. Yeah, that's really sad. 10 p.m. was Alexis's last correspondence with Brian. She had been visiting her parents in Toledo, Ohio, before planning on meeting Brian at the airport to leave for Miami later. Were they supposed to meet on month? Was Monday the day that they were supposed to be meeting? So they had mm-hmm. like. Yeah, that weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is just awful. I just that they had that time apart and that she was going to be seeing him later and just didn't even think about it. You know? It's tragic. Um, so we'll talk also about Renee. Renee is Brian's mother. I had recently, I just mentioned that she had died, but Renee had died of cancer three weeks before his disappearance, actually. And Renee was Brian's confidant and hero. Apparently, Brian was taking his death out, her death out really, really well. But a lot of people said that he was taking it a lot harder. Yeah. And and I mean, it was only three weeks after, which I mean, he hasn't even gone through all the stages of grief at that point. So the way he was feeling was, I mean, who really knows, but probably quite typical of someone who had just lost their mother in a horrible way. Well, yeah. And, and he like took her to her treatments like all the time also. So, you know, there's a good bond there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the actual entire Schaefer family is very tragic. So Brian's father, Randy, who we had mentioned before, he actually was one of the people who relentlessly pursued Brian's case and really, really interestingly, he and other parents of missing children successfully persuaded Ohio legislator to set better, more strict, just protocol in general um, for detectives to follow concerning missing adults cases because there wasn't that much regulation around adults as opposed to missing children. Well, because as an adult, you can drop off the grid and disappear and it's not against the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got all your stuff paid up and all that stuff, like I got my house paid up, all this, I'm leaving, psh, done. It's not against the law to disappear. And then in 2008, September 2008, Randy, uh, Brian's father, tragically died in a freak accident. He was walking around in his backyard, I think, when a limb mm-hmm. or a branch fell from a tree, struck him in the head, and he died from it on his online obituary page someone actually left a comment that said i miss you dad love brian and in parentheses it said virgin islands um and people obviously detectives looked into this like is this the real brian could he have actually left this comment finding out that his father had died but it was just a prank as it turns out and i think when they tracked down computer that the message came from it was like a local public computer from the city of columbus so it was not legit which is a really crappy prank yeah that's so inappropriate was it a prank or was it somebody trying to say where he was okay brian would not have been in columbus somebody would the virgin islands come on woman (laughs) yeah but but it can't I know, but it's that's why I said somebody trying to show that, yes, he's in the Virgin Islands. I'm posting it for him. That's where he is. I'm telling you this. Do you think his friend Clint? We'll have to no, get into these things. No, it later. wasn't Clint. I'm just somebody else. I'm, I, it's just a theory that I saw floating around out there, too. It was like somebody was trying to uh, show the public, like, yes, he's here. This is I'm posting for him like somebody was doing that. Like aliens? Could be. <laughs> like... The, and people? most people were saying it was Clint, but I'm not buying it's Clint anyhow. But we'll get what? into that later. We'll talk the about Illuminati? that. Illuminati? No, no we'll, <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take that later. All right. <laughs> okay, so who's the last player 
that we should know about? Oh, yeah. So that's Derek Schaefer. So Derek Schaefer is, was Brian's younger brother, the youngest in the Schaefer clan. And he is the last remaining Schaefer at this point. Um, he just does not, there's a lot of articles out there that try to reach out to him and have him like give updates and stuff, which is just horrible on another level. But now he's just closed off and doesn't want to talk about anything about this case, which I don't blame him. Yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, because, and maybe we'll see more of this later, but him along with his father were super active in finding Mm -hmm. Brian. Like they searched a lot of different avenues. And at this point, it's like, damn, he's just leave the guy alone. (laughs) He lost his mother, his father, and his brother in a really short period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Within two years, that's awful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Now some facts about the disappearance. Uh, The outside of the ugly tuna saluna was a little sketchy in that area. It's, you know, off the South Campus Gateway. I've heard a lot of things about the area that was there at one point in time. Now it's like condominiums and it's been built up. uh, (laughs) So things have changed. There are surveillance cameras outside to keep up with the rampant crime around there. Cameras outside the bar caught nothing. One of these was manual and the other was automatic. They see Brian going in the bar, but we don't see him leaving. I'm okay. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later Mm -hmm. um, about the cameras going in. Now, here's a good fun fact. Columbus has the most security cameras of any city in Ohio. That's insane. Yeah. So I don't want to go there. If they had the many security no. cameras, it's that bad. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just Brad saying. Brad does not want to be followed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just, anyhow. Uh, Brian was last seen in the ugly tuna saloon between 1.30 a.m. and 2 a.m. on April 1st of 2006. Mm-hmm. Around 12.30 a.m., after bar hopping with Clint and Clint's friend Meredith, uh, he returned to the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Now, at 1.15, Brian, Clint, and Meredith were seen on surveillance cameras taking the escalator up to the second floor of the Ugly Tuna Saluna. That is such an interesting name for a place. I know. Every time we say it, it keeps freaking me out. It sounds so weird. And Meredith was what? Meredith was just a friend of Clint's right. that mm-hmm. met up with them like... It was just Clint and Brian doing the bar hopping up until they returned to Ugly Salu- to whatever, the Ugly Tuna, um, <laughs> later that night. And then Meredith, Clint's friend, came and joined them for, like, that last round of drinks. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So then later on at 2 a.m., Brian is seen, well, a little bit before 2 a.m., Brian is seen chatting with two women uh, downstairs, and he turns away from one side, and that's all we see him for him. Now, mm-hmm. I always kind of wonder, why would he go back into the bar at that point in time? Yeah, I mean, I would only assume, so I think it's like one fifty or one fifty-five a.m. or something. Mm-hmm. They they see him right outside. So the way the Ugly Tuna Saluna is, you have to go up an elevator, kind of, or an escalator or whatever it is, to mm-hmm. the second floor to get into Ugly Tuna. So they see him upstairs, I think at the top, mm-hmm. outside of the ugly tuna talking to these two girls and then they see him walk back in. And I think at this time the bar is closing, right? It's like last right. call. Yeah, so, this is the last call. And, at this, and they'd already, he'd already lost track, I guess, of Clint and Meredith. Meredith. Um, but I mean, if he, if he was looking for them, then of course he would go back in. So, you, know, you know what I mean? Well, this is the whole thing. So he went back in at, 
you know, 155 or whatever. And, and our camera footage says that Clinton Meredith leaving at 12.15 or 2.15. So basically, they go inside. If it's last call, it shouldn't be that hard to find him if he's inside the bar. No. And also, I don't know. Like, And also, like, any bar in on a college campus, they take last call very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so, like, anytime I left, whether it was, like, five minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes before – um, last call, they wouldn't let me back in. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, 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 it's last call. You're not getting another beer. You're done. Well, you, yeah. It doesn't matter if you left your wallet there. They're like, come back the next day. It, right. So that's just very odd. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one thing that really got me about that. And I'll bring that up also later at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there are theoretically two possible ways to leave the bar. The escalator going up. And a service door in the back of the bar, which leads, which led directly to a uh, construction zone at that point in time. They were doing a lot of construction on the building in the back. So where that door opened up, you know, it l- l- led into it. Now, there was also supposed to be a camera in the back on that service door, but there were conflicting reports of it working at the time, um, you know, with it being under construction back there. And I've also known some people who've worked in places who have security cameras in the back area and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, we, it, it's our motion detector cameras. They usually turn them down a lot because anything will turn them on. So mm-hmm. it, it gotcha. may or may not have been happening at that point. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, and also to note at this point to Clint, I, I mean, keep in mind, everyone is drunk. They've been drinking Mm-hmm. all night and clint did try calling brian a couple of times so it's not like they just like let him go but i mean as you guys i'm sure i've experienced a friend at some point who just like went missing you assume they went home maybe they left with somebody maybe they just went home and didn't tell right. you because everybody's drunk you're not in your right mind yeah. and that was kind of that was kind of the situation i mean yeah i i've been there i've seen it it's like yeah okay yeah, they're not here, so clearly he hooked up with somebody and left or whatever, and yeah. we didn't see each other and just thought we weren't there. I mean... and Yeah, and I think it's different for guys and girls. Like, if your girlfriend goes missing, it's like... Oh, it's a big deal. You're that is a bigger deal. A guy, you know, maybe not so much, especially he's 27. No. You assume he can handle himself. And there were a lot of articles that said that at the time, Brian's apartment was only six blocks away from Ugly Tuna. So mm-hmm. even more reason for them to be like, okay, he's not picking up. He probably yeah. just went home and passed out. And maybe he's a drunk wanderer. That's how I am. When I drink, I just go all over the place by myself. Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to go here now. I'm yeah. on my bed. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> yeah, people do that. So, yes, okay. yes, they do. Okay. I could, I'll, I'll have to tell you my story about the Virgin Islands one time when I ended up three islands away from where I started. Virgin Islands? Yeah. We, we were down there. It was in the Navy. We were drinking margaritas started at 9 o'clock in the morning. Are yeah. you talking about the Virgin Islands as in, as in where Brian Schaefer lives now? Yes, I am, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was – we, we there, literally like a whole group of us got on boats to go to different islands and no one knew how we got to where we got to. Oh, my God. This is where I swore off drinking tequila. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not like bar hopping. No, that's, that was island hopping. It was even bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so that's excellent. So okay, a sad side note: the Charlie Project webpage on Brian Schaefer has this footnote updated five times since October twelfth, two thousand four. Last updated May tenth, two thousand nine. Details of disappearance updated. I'm always confused on that part of the whole side note at the bottom because. 
He was officially reported missing on April 3rd, 2006. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. the investig- Why was it updated five times since October 12, 2004? Oh. What? Okay, I never noticed that either. It's totally on the bottom of the page, and I'm just wondering if it's an up... Well, I don't get that part. That's... It just it just makes me I'm confused totally why that is, but okay. If anybody knows the answer to that one, let me know. Oh, never about mind. The Charlie Project. Never mind. I just answered my own question. It what is actually it? Uh, the that's when the site was created was October twelfth. <laughs> I just clicked on oh. another person who's oh. missing on there and answered my own question. So. Oh my god. Okay, that's really funny. But I it's. That that together. I no that had been bugging me since every time I've seen somebody talking about it, and I'm like, I don't mm. get why this is. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. So there's your answer. If you didn't think it made sense either, <laughs> there you go. I'm happy to solve that problem of the case. We're yeah. sleuths. Yes. <laughs> so they didn't actually report Brian missing until a couple days later, and again, that's not that weird. Yes, it is a long time, but he's an adult. Mm-hmm. and Clint's really not at fault for the situation because he doesn't know if he just went home. Mm-hmm. So And it's been and, great. Yes. Like, they had but, plans. It's yeah. mm-hmm. Should we talk about his girlfriend, though, his fiance? Because oh, she yeah. was supposed to meet with him on Monday. He didn't show up for the flight, which is what kind of spurred the whole thing because – she, he didn't show up for the flight. She's like, okay, this is something's wrong now. Like he didn't answer all weekend, missed the flight. People mm-hmm. go to his apartment. The car is still there. Nothing's awry. So he's officially reported missing. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine, did you talk yet about um, the the cell phone, how she kept calling him? And oh, then- not yet. Not yet. But um, yeah. So for months after his disappearance, Alexis, his girlfriend, called his cell phone every night before going to bed. And it usually just went straight to voicemail. But I think it was maybe three three months. months? No, six months after his disappearance, Mm -hmm. the phone rang three times instead of going straight to voicemail. After three rings, though, it just went dead. But police were able to match the ring off the cell tower that was 14 miles away from Ugly Tuna. Mm-hmm. However, Singular, that was the provider of the the, the service pr- provider for the cell phone, admitted that it could be a computer glitch. So ultimately, it might not mean anything. Okay. A lot of the stuff around this case is like might maybe a lot of conjecture. Okay. Is- so on phones, on cell phones in general, mm-hmm. if you do this right now, get two phones, and this is probably going to happen at some point. Like. If you call somebody in the same room, you may hear it ring like two times before it actually starts ringing on their phone. Yes. So what you hear ringing is not real ringing. So that's one of the, that's how systems work and stuff like that. So it, I'm totally with them saying it was a glitch on how things were. Yeah, but what about the ping? It's a glitch. Singular is not around anymore. That should tell you something right there. Well, yeah. But also, wow. I think it's really weird that six up until six months, it just went straight to voicemail and then it began ringing. Like, I understand that it would take a little, like, blip of a time for it to actually connect. But why no rings in the first six months? Like, that's weird. Yeah. But- I, mean, I, can, I can, I believe that the ringing was probably a glitch, but mm-hmm. the pinging has mm-hmm. to at least be indicative of, like, the real location. I mean, unless that's a glitch as well, but that at least seems like that could be possible. Not really, because cell phone, the the pinging thing is not a 
broad sciences back way back when it wasn't way back when 10 years ago it, it uh <laughs> i mean it was a lot more it was a lot harder to actually figure out where a phone is on that i go with it was a glitch because it doesn't make any sense for it not to be because mm-hmm. why would you just have the phone on right no phone calls were made from the phone uh-huh. yeah but even if it's not on can it ping i'm not sure that's why i think it may be a glitch in the system well, damn it, Brad. Just let me believe whatever I want to believe. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, you do that. I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You find the facts. Okay. So <laughs> while Brad Googles that, let's talk a little bit about the facts of the investigation. And then after that, we're going to talk about kind of the three most likely, at least in our minds and a lot of other people who have speculated on the case, um, mm-hmm. their minds about what could have happened with Brian. So some things to keep in mind. Um, we've talked before about police doing bad jobs or good jobs in certain cases, I would say that they did a very good job in this case. Sergeant John Hurst led his team of detectives in this case. 50 police officers searched streets, dumpsters, hospitals, landfills, riverbanks, um, and all the buildings that uh, existed around Ugly Chuna um, almost as soon as he was reported missing. They really jumped on this. They took cadaver dogs um, and led them through Ugly Tuna to see if they could catch a scent. Didn't find anything there. I'm not sure if that's foolproof, but it it does say something. Mm -hmm. There was so much um, evidence and so many leads and so much information on this case. They filled four boxes of the police boxy thingies, you know, Um, that they put things in. There was, (laughs) that's that's a scientific term. Um, Basically, they had a lot of tips, a lot of interest in the case. But even after a year, uh, there was was nothing. There was nothing of substance, no real hard evidence that pointed to what could have happened to Brian. Detective Andrew Edwards came onto the case about a year after it all happened. And he painstakingly looked at video surveillance footage for hours on end, wanting to make sure that Brian didn't leave in disguise because that was a working theory that he had left on his own accord and snuck out for whatever reason. But he 100% thinks that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Brian did not leave the bar. That was his conclusion after looking through all the video surveillance. Um, To note, you may read at some point, Brian's apartment was burglarized sometime after uh, he went missing, but that was determined to be irrelevant to the case. And interestingly enough, Randy, before he passed away, that's Brian's father, he went to a psychic, which a lot of people do when they become desperate about unsolved cases. I think it's kind of common. He went to a psychic who told him that Brian's body was submerged in water. And I think he said like near a bridge or a pier or something like that. And um, yeah, the police went to go look for it and it just didn't check out, but they spent hours just yes. scouring the riverbanks around. Mm-hmm. And even the brother Derek and the dad, they went along with other citizens from the area and they searched shorelines and they searched near all of the bridges of the Olentangy River, is that how you say it? Olentangy? Yep. Olentangy? Yep, that's it. <laughs> old, old Tangy. That good old 
Tangy River that flows through Columbus. It runs by uh, the OSU campus. And so there were major, major searches that I believe Derek and Randy kind of spearheaded. Mm-hmm. But of course, um, nothing was found. So everybody that was involved and that knew Brian well, they all took lie detector tests and passed. The only person who didn't take a lie detector test who refused was Clint. So some say that's sketchy. Some people cough, Brad, cough. Okay. Don't think it's sketchy. No, I don't think it's sketchy at all. If I am ever taken down to the police station for questioning about anything that happens and they go, we want you to take a lie detector test, I'm be like, nope, not going to happen. It's not admissible in court. I am not answering a question and getting a false positive and getting my ass thrown in jail for no reason whatsoever. But now, dude, your friend is missing and people think that you, I just don't. So we know how, we don't know exactly what went down when Clint started talking to the cops. Perhaps he went in there and they're like, and he gave his piece. Dude, he was drunk as well. He doesn't remember much of nothing, right? Because they were doing shots all night long, mm-hmm. bar hopping, bar hopping. He's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. He was accounted for all night too. The, he met up with another friend of theirs, Meredith, who was with them at the Ugly Tuna Saluna, right? She was yeah, with Clint yeah. the whole entire time and had apparently been looking for Brian with him when they fir- when he first disappeared. Now, this is where I go with, you know, the cops go in there and, and talk to him and he spills his stuff. And he's like, here's what happened, dude. We were looking for him. We got drunk. We figured he left. And the next thing you know, you have another cop comes in and sits you down on the table and says, you know what? We know you killed your friend. Why don't you just go ahead and tell us where we left him and we can help you out. We can get you. It won't be any problem. We'll help you out. You tell us what happened to him. At which time Clint says, fuck this shit. I need a lawyer. Lawyer up. Lawyer comes in and says, dude, you are not answering any other questions. Be done with it. And you talk to the lawyer. Apparently, the cops did not have enough to talk to the lawyer to get anything past that, or else it would have been, you know, gone more. It That yeah. happens. If you're being, he's the last person who saw his friend alive and probably got really frustrated with the police not listening to him and being badgered and being told, we know you killed him. We know that cops do this because they do not have to tell Brad, the truth. Why would you ever think cops would do such a thing? Because they don't have to tell the truth. They can tell somebody if they have a feeling that somebody did something, they just kind of lead them into confessing. And then next thing you know, some person goes, oh, crap, I need to tell the truth. I need to take the lie detector test because then they'll believe me. And they fall for it, and they ask a question, and it goes, well, yeah, that's a false positive there. So, yeah, he did it. He, that's enough to lock him up until we have more on it. And the next thing you know, you're in court. He failed the lie detector test. He's the only one that saw him last thing, and he's in jail for, like, 20 years for doing nothing. So, no, I would never take a lie detector <laughs> test in my life at a police station for nothing. Okay. I'm this not even this- – if I get picked up by the cops, I'm not saying nothing. I'm lawyering up right then and there. This, this is, is the is second triggered. time. This is his trigger. This is the second time that you've went on a rant about refusing lie detector tests. I think there might be something going on with you. I know. I, your brain. I, I, will, I will take a lie detector test anywhere but at a police station. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, yeah. No, I've seen too many things. I've heard too many things. I've read too many things. I've known, you know, somewhat known people who have done that, and it has not turned out well for anybody. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if if all you need is one cop with an mo who wants yeah. to close the case to push on it. You know, well, I think we talked about this with other people. There's like um. I don't know the name of it right now, but there is literally this one guy, and I'm going to have to find out the article and do it, who was pursued by the cops for 10 years, who swore that he killed this person, like killed this child or something like that. He had nothing to do for it. They ruined his life for 10 years because one cop thought he had to do with it. And it turned out it was like this other serial killer guy who actually killed the kids. And that's, oh the, and that's the whole thing. And because, you, you know, it, that's all you need is one cop to think it's you, and he's just on a vengeance. And pff, and cops can ruin your life really quickly, too. So mm-hmm. just by oh, yeah. saying, yeah. Uh, we have a person of interest. It's this person. We, you think may be tied to it. And even if it doesn't, you're already screwed because everybody thinks you did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, which in this case, everyone, because there's no real person to blame or try to find the answer for, everyone does think it's Clint. Right. Or, the majority, well, you know. sort of. I, I mean, well, let's jump in to our three main theories oh, yes. because Clint is the first one. So let's just yes. dive. Good segue. Him. Okay, I'll try yeah. not to rant on the next one. <laughs> so as a side note, um, though, before we go into the three main suspects, I guess we would call them, apparently the Columbus PD have three theories about who or what happened that they can't or won't share with the public. And now I just want to know if any of this is close to it or not at all close to it, or if this is just them bullshitting that they have something. No, I bet that they really do. And um, I bet that the brother Derek is aware of them. Mm. And I bet that's kind of why I bet for him, he maybe has some kind of closure and resolution because I'm sure Mm. they shared their theories with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these three things are kind of what we have found most frequently online mm-hmm. as kind mm-hmm. of the best working theories, but there's definitely more. So, yeah. So we'll start with Clint since we were talking about Clint a little bit ago. He again is the Brian's former roommate and friend that was with him for the whole thing. He again, is the only one out of the entire immediate circle of friends and acquaintances that refuse to take a polygraph test. Uh, One side note, though, the two women, the two college-aged women that was seen on the surveillance camera with Brian at the top of the escalator before he turned and vanished, they actually said that they were never asked to take a lie detector test, even after their identity was, you know, discovered and stuff, which is kind Mm. of weird. But, anyway. but they they were cleared, and I'm mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. saw they were seen. I think walking away. They didn't yeah. remain with Brian, so they I think went the opposite away or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Um. So everywhere, honestly, the discourse on the web or something is that Clint is a shitty friend, but it's just a lot of bad timing and happening. End of the bar, end of the night. Everyone was super drunk, and of course, he wasn't going to follow up because it was the end of the night. And-, and and we don't really know if he's they've done this before. Like maybe they went out to the bar before, and you know he's walked home by himself. Yeah, six blocks away. I mean, that's really close. Yeah, I we, mean, I did that mm-hmm. when I was eighty in college too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys are adults. Like you would mm-hmm. think, like, dude, my friend can handle himself. Like, right, right. I mean, 
especially if, I mean, I don't know the relationship between Meredith and Clint. Maybe mm -hmm. he, I mean, he was probably focused on her if it was more than a friend situation. Mm -hmm. But I was a pretty shitty friend when I was in college. I mean, <laughs> when you're out getting drunk and you're at that stage in your life, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I Again, it's spring break. Like, well, it was a week before ready. spring break, but still, you know, it was it was there. It was going on. Yeah. By yeah. a college campus. Right. So. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So the sketchy thing about Clint's situation about not wanting to take a polygraph test, Brad, you mentioned it, but he lawyered up immediately afterwards. And the lawyer made a very good point. The lawyer's reasoning was that Clint simply had nothing new to tell and was totally upfront and honest with the police investigation from the very beginning. As far as Clinton's concerned, this matter is closed. The shitty thing that the lawyer did, though, and I feel like, Brad, you would agree with me that it's really shitty, is that after the prank person wrote on Randy's online obituary, it's like, I love you, Dad, love Brian, parentheses, Virgin Islands, is that the lawyer was saying that this is obviously a clue that Brian is still out there and Brian is the one who's voluntarily hurting his family and friends mm -hmm. by not stepping forward. That's just a shitty statement to make. Oh, yeah, I, totally, yeah I agree. It's, it's yeah. a shitty statement. Weird. That was a weird thing to say. Um, and regarding Clint, bef before we talk more about him, but I just want to say the only thing really, I guess, negative mm -hmm. um, that I saw about him, like that was really concrete, was that the night that Brian disappeared, he was having dinner with his father earlier mm -hmm. in the night, Randy. Mm -hmm. And I guess Randy didn't say this out loud, but he relayed to the police that at the time, you know, Brian had said like, yeah, yeah, I'm going out with Clint later. Um, I guess Randy was thinking like, oh, I wish he wouldn't go out with him. I don't like him. Like he didn't mm -hmm. like Clint. Um, mm -hmm. Not that he overtly expressed that to Brian at the time, but I guess Randy didn't, I don't know, maybe he didn't have a good taste in his mouth for Brian, but there were never any specifics given as to like, was there a situation? Yeah. Why, cool. why would Randy not like him? I mean, it could just be like college roommate. They partied a lot together. Right. I mean, there's things like that. Like I had a friend of mine in high school who, whose parents hated me for, I have no reason whatsoever. And which was kind of <laughs> funny because they really, really hated me. And then I left and he dropped out of school because <laughs> I left, but that's a totally different thing. So if Clint, was not liked by Brian's father. Again, mm -hmm. another reason why he could go when he's talking to the cops, that guy, Clint, there's something wrong with him. It's always something. And so he's leading the ah. cops towards that. That's mm -hmm. like, and so that's where the cops go into and, you know, jump on Clint. And I, yeah. that's just my theory. That's how they kind of got forced into that direction because they're getting mm -hmm. the information from his father who may have, came up with some, I don't know, they're doing coke or something. And, you know, mm -hmm. and that's where the cops start focusing in on Clint. And that was yeah. at that point in time, after you tell everything that you got to tell, and then they're trying to put words in your mouth, that's where you shut up and quit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, they have to focus. I mean, he's the last person that, well, that knew him, that saw him alive. Right. They were together that night. And if Clint's saying, I was drunk, I don't remember this or that. I mean, I don't know if that's what was said, but honestly, I mean, and we can talk about our own personal theories at the end, but I mean, if, if Clint was responsible, I mean, just think about it logistically, he, that would mean Meredith would somehow have to be involved in a yeah. very short window of time when the bar is closing. What did he do? Murder him. There was no trace of anything in the bar. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? What I mean, 
we can get into it later, but I'm, when thinking of Clint, how he would have even been responsible yeah. is... So so throughout the night, he would have had Crazy. to fake drinking, so he wasn't totally drunk because he's got a mastermind and pull this off. <laughs> and, and Well, yeah, and then, you know, in that short amount of time, he's got to make all this happen. He's got to plan everything down to the wire to make it happen. It's There's so much there that, I mean, that's just... Yeah, I mean, it points to that it would be a crime of passion, like an in-the-moment thing if he did murder him um, or orchestrate something after, or I guess not orchestrate something, but if he caused his death somehow the cleanup for lack of a better phrase, the aftermath of it or whatever, it would be impossible. There was no time for him to do anything. And then Meredith would have had to be involved because right. they were together at that point. Yeah. No, so, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. It's a lot. Okay. Yeah. So our second theory, your is, second theory, your set, not my second theory. <laughs> I, I know you hate this, but we, I know you don't believe this, but we have to talk about it because. Oh yeah. No, we definitely exactly. have to talk about it because it's totally out there. Yeah, it is. But but I'm now it's the smiley face killer, and a lot of you have probably heard about this. I'm going to go through it like very bare bones. There is so much to this; it mm-hmm. could really be like two episodes on its own. So this is just the basics of what you know need to know. So the smiley face killer, it's more of a theory, not an actual person or really a group of people, because nobody was ever convicted or formally linked to this string of murders. It really is just a theory. Um, But it all stems from a series of handsome college-aged men found dead in bodies of water between the uh, years 1997 and 2008. And this was across 11 different states. So it's not localized. Mm -mm. Um, So the victims had all been, or mostly been college-aged, popular, athletic, um, They had mostly all been seen leaving bars uh, or parties and were inebriated at their time of death. Um, Many assumed that these deaths were all coincidence and that it was just drunk guys who happened to fall into water, couldn't get out and died. So a former NYC investigator who later became a private investigator started investigating all of these similar deaths across all of these states. Um, And what he found was that painted on walls near the locations of where 22 of the bodies were found was a smiley face. So that's kind of bizarre. Um, We don't have time to delve into what all of that may mean and all of the similarities, Um, but the men were all a certain type. So they were popular, handsome, fit, educated. So one of the things that people thought about the smiley face killer, whether it was a single person or a group was that they may have killed these men out of jealousy. So maybe they were a man or a group of people who were the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that there's even a serial killer involved with any of these murders is not proven. So there's nothing right. proven. It's all a theory. Of course, there's a lot of weird coincidences. There's, I think there's definitely something to it. If mm-hmm. you start doing the research and go down that rabbit hole, There's a lot. Um, So when it comes to Brian, obviously, he fits the type. Um, And if you remember, the psychic that had talked to the father had mentioned that Brian was in water somewhere, that Mm -hmm. his body was in water. Uh, So there's that similarity. Of course, they never actually found him. But there's also a theory, and I only saw this a couple of times, and it was just comments that people had made, but some 
people were like, what if the women that Brian had met, those two ladies outside, were part of the smiley face gang? Mm. So which stupid. Yeah. Well, but, Okay, let me. I got. I got two things about it. I would actually really love to do an episode on this and just talk about it because it's really interesting. There's okay. a lot that goes in. Reason why I don't think he fits the smiley face killer thing is one, there's no body. With mm-hmm. that, there's always been a body, usually found drowned. Um, a lot of them end up having uh, GHB in their system. That's the date rape drug, similar. Yeah, to, you know, but but Brad, those were the people that were found. How many right. bodies were not found? The only the, the only reason we found the smiley face tag is because there was a body. Right. But what if there's you know just as many bodies that were not found? Therefore, well, we're he, not going to find a smiley face tag. Right, and he know? very well could have went into the water by himself. The smiley face thing. I have like. Th- different ideas about this thing because if you look around enough you will find a smiley face somewhere it's the easiest thing to do <laughs> within a mile of, of where you live regardless of where it is i guarantee it's tagged somewhere in that in that mile radius but you know it's i think we need to talk about the smiley face killers one day it could be something it could be we'll, we'll, we need to talk about it it's a really interesting bizarre thing but i have another random theory that i kind of mm-hmm came up with well i i say i came up with it then i found somebody else had the same theory i did which was kind of interesting Mm -hmm. it's always one of those oh cool this could be it oh crap somebody else already thought of this um (laughs) so here was my thought so this and this is diving farther away from this case a little bit but it's still kind of cool just think about this let's just linger in your brain so we know the dark web exists and people can put out hits on other people what if, in order to prove that you put a hit out on somebody, you had to leave a certain tag somewhere, like a smiley face, and that came up? So basically, you have this world network of or group network of people putting smiley face tags on victims that they take out. So then the person they know who hired them says, oh, "Okay, cool, that was done." Just I'm letting it marinate. Just let I'm that marinate. Think marinate. about think that about overnight when you're sleeping. No, that's so creepy. <laughs> then the thing you just said where it's like within a mile of anywhere, you could find a smiling face tag. Then if that's that true, not true. Thing, yeah, I don't know. It's just terrifying. You don't think it's also, true. You look when you're walking. When you're, when you're out, look around for it. You will find it somewhere. I guarantee it. I think I'm good. I'm going to trust you. I feel like I'm not going to go actively looking for smiley faces because I'm going to think of that this is some sort of gang initiation thing for the dark web. Well, so when I'm you find one, good. take a picture and send it. <laughs> we'll post it yeah no I definitely think something like that does not exist <laughs> um, but I do appreciate your creativity and if it, it does exist I don't want to know about it or think about it no 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 no, no. so our, our last theory has to do with Brian pulling a Tupac and um, right. going off the grid right yeah there, there are several theories out there that you know, said he might have just decided with all the stress from medical school, his mother's death, and everything else that he just said, you know what, I'm done. He said, also, one of the things that he wanted to do is, you know, start up a band that was kind of like in a Jimmy Buffett style, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. you know, he could have very well said, you know what, I'm out, that's it. And yeah, and he, he had made those comments to people in the past. I mean, we all make joking comments to people like that. Like, I want to go... We all have stuff that we want to do, um, but he had made comments that he wanted to give up the, the the medical life or whatever at some point and and play in a in a band on a live on a beach or something. But I mean, we all talk like that. Yeah, right. it's not a unique 
incriminating thought, really. No, how many times have you like known somebody who just moved and you had no idea they moved? I know. Yeah. It happens. No. Well, <laughs> that's happened to you? Actually, I've done I mean, that before too, but yes, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it ended up, she wasn't moving away permanently. It was, she was sent to Australia as like a part of a job thing, but I literally found out through Instagram. So right. Like, exactly. Yeah. You don't find out about until, oh my God, where'd that person go? I have no idea where they're at. And you ask your friend, who's like, I have no idea either. And just no one else was clued in on the loop. <laughs> you mm. just found out. Wow. That's sad. I feel like that's never happened to me. I am sorry. Sorry you had to go through that, but that's not what happened to Brian. No, no, no. So also there's been no credit card activity or anything on that sort since 2006. That doesn't surprise me at all because if you are disappearing, you're not Mm going to use your credit card or your phone. You already got that covered. You're like, "Mm, you have money already saved up. This is not something usually you do on a whim. You got to plan for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go on with our own theories. Um... And actually, before we start, though, something that happened May 3rd, 2018, Ugly Tuna officially closed. Mm-hmm. So obviously, okay. it brought up the discussion about Brian Schaefer all over again. But I thought that was really interesting that it was a couple months ago. Wait, a couple months ago? Mm-hmm. Four or five. Either way. But yeah. Okay. So, Lindy, do you want to start with your theory? Because I think yeah, because really- I, I want to talk a little bit more about this whole him purposefully going off the grid and sneaking out. I, mm-hmm. a lot of people believe that. I do not. I, yes, he was grieving. His mm-hmm. mother had passed away. Yes, he was going through a stressful time. Yes, he was going through an engagement. Um, but if you're going to sneak off, going out and drinking all night, I don't think he was faking it. Mm-hmm. Um Faking being drunk and drinking and then popping back inside of a bar. I mean, why wouldn't you disappear from your house? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Why wouldn't you go home and then disappear? You know what I mean? It it makes absolutely no sense to orchestrate a whole night out, bring a spare change of clothes because people looked at these cameras and, um, you know, didn't see anyone that even could have been him in different clothing sneaking out. Uh, to start a new life or whatever. I think that that's a fun, interesting theory. Um, I think it's certainly more hopeful and happy than him being murdered. Mm-hmm. But I I just cannot believe that he would just disappear in that way. I'm not saying that he wasn't a person that could have done it, but not in that way. That doesn't even mm-hmm. make, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. I think that's, it's a fun, whimsical thing to, to think that that would have happened or something that somebody could do because it seems like so extraordinary and it's a fun story, but there, I just, there's no way I I totally write that off. I do not believe it. I think he was killed. I did see a theory um, somewhere that somebody that worked at the bar Mm. maybe was involved in an accidental death Mm -hmm. um, and knew where cameras were, cameras weren't and disposed of him. Um, And I do believe that because you have to think about the time of night, who's inside the bar still, if he never left and everybody else had left, because another thing is when they, when they looked at the surveillance video, everyone that had come in the bar, they made note and they saw each of those people leave. So mm-hmm. all of the patrons had left. There was no patron lingering in the bar. And eventually, I don't know what times, 
but the workers left as well. So I think something happened to him in that bar and someone covered it up and got him out. I think the most likely scenario is maybe he got in a fight with somebody that worked in there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they were trying to kick him out. Um, there were some lapses in the surveillance video. I know there was a construction site that a lot of people say would have been hard for him to navigate through mm -hmm. um, out the back. But somebody that knows if, if that security, that video was not working back there, somebody that worked there could have known that or known where the holes were in the security mm -hmm. um, video, the camera shit and got him out the back way. Um, that is my theory. I think somebody that worked there was involved. Perhaps it was an accidental fight. I don't, I doubt that anybody sought out to, to murder him for a specific reason. I'm guessing it was crime of passion or accidental and that he was somehow snuck out of the back. That's me. Okay. What about y'all? Uh, I have a couple things. So my first theory, well, I don't even, this isn't even my first theory. Uh, let me let me back up to this. My first year that I originally wrote down, but let me back up. When you're watching the security video, I don't think he actually went into the bar. So when you're coming up the, the escalators there, you see the two security guys standing off to the side on the right-hand side. Uh -huh. What is the function of those guys? Because they are not bar staff. They're security. And th we know that there's other spots, uh, other places upstairs there. Are they up there just like making sure people don't pass and get back into the you know other part of the building? Because there's more than just that uh, the bar that was upstairs. That's kind of what I want. Because when you're watching it, it doesn't look like he goes into the bar at all. Because if you're watching everybody else go into it, he's not traveling in the same line as everybody else. He kind of veers mm -hmm. off to the right a little bit or the left, I guess it would be on his side. Mm. And it's just a thought. My other thought is he could have gone down and just kind of blended in with somebody else going down on a, and a camera didn't notice cameras are an infallible. You've seen the videos online of like the cars appearing out of nowhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they're hidden behind something that you didn't see because of the camera angle. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. always a possibility. Okay. So do you think then that there's a chance when you say veer off, he may have veered off to the right and I don't know the layout of, well, yeah, that's exactly. Because I don't think he could get back downstairs, but was without there, going down the escalator, right? I, well, you don't know. It, was there some other spot that he went in, or something like that? That mm -hmm. you know, if you go inside these buildings, and like especially you know any building that has access to the public, you have like the servers access and everything else is like behind the mm -hmm. scenes. Yeah, he's yeah. been there a lot of times. Did he know about some other you know back bar uh, back area or something like that? Had they yeah. been there that many times that he's used to going back there or was somebody waiting on him or, you know, sure. there's a lot of like, stuff. Was there another way for him to go around the and go down a separate area? Could he have gotten killed walking down or, the street? Yeah, back could, out he, yeah could he have gone out? Like, you know, did he go in just before the bar closed and they had already locked the front doors and he was busy chatting up with the band? And just went out the back door with the band and, you know, staff and anybody else that was there. And then from there, he decided to walk home and disappeared. Maybe he went and jumped in the river, you know, in the water. Or uh, possibly he was jumped by somebody on the way home. It was a bad neighborhood and could have been yeah. tossed into the garbage. And 
at some point in yeah. time. That was just picked up and dumped and no one ever found it. I mean, they went to the landfill and all, but still, it's not exactly the easiest thing to find somebody, especially days later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is, because um, I'm looking at the aerial view of Ugly Saluna, Tuna, Saluna, mm-hmm. whatever the <laughs> F it's called. Yeah. So there's an alley that runs behind it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a parking garage. And I'm looks kind of dated, so I'm guessing it was there at the time. So did he wander by the parking garage? Did he walk down the alley if he somehow, you know, because parking garages are always sketch. No. Oh the the theory that was out there of him falling into the construction site and you know hitting his head and dying and being buried by gravel and concrete the next morning or you know covered up Ooh, by the contractor. Oh no! But well, hold on. I got. I'll, I'll gross you out here even more in a little bit. That's not something that happens. One, if you're a contractor, you're not pouring concrete over like a mysterious bag that's laying down there. No, you're going to get it out because it's going to mess the concrete up. Because concrete, you know, if you're pouring over something, it's heavier and it it will fall. So you need to clear stuff out. Contractors aren't, especially in buildings, they're not, you know, doing that. Plus you have inspectors and everything else that comes out. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, say they did pour concrete over the body. No, my God. Fun, fun fact. When a body uh, um, starts to decompose and stuff, that smell leaks out into the concrete. So it would always smell there. Somebody would hit on it. It would be like there. You would notice, like you're walking by. Why does this patch of concrete smell like death? Hmm. Oh no. So it's one of those things. It's you know, that's it. It's just one of those things. Uh, I honestly almost think he got jumped on the way home. Uh, I have it. I. I'll just go into this one really quick. So there's also the possibility (laughs) that. There could have been a serial killer involved. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of Israel Keys? No, but you're going to tell us. You better. <laughs> Israel Keys, for those of you who don't know, he was a serial killer of a very interesting variety. He was a rapist, mm-hmm. arsonist, burglar, bank robber, uh, admitted to violent crimes as early as 1996 with a sexual assault of a teenage girl in Oregon being one of them. He had a long series of rapes and murders until his capture in 2012. Well, so what's that going to do with anything? Oh, he did commit suicide at one point in time at the, well, after he's caught. So, Keyes did a lot of stuff. He killed people in other states, so he, you know, nothing was linked together. He kind of mm-hmm. liked Bundy, but he wasn't anything like Bundy <laughs> uh, because he planned his murders long ahead of time. And took mm. extraordinary action to avoid detection. Unlike a lot of serial killers, he didn't have a victim profile. He just killed far from home, never in the same area twice. He had murder mm. trips. On his murder trips, he had, you know, keep his phone off, paid for items with cash, no connection to any of his victims. There was a m- murder of a couple, um, Bill and Lorraine Courier in Essex, Vermont. Now, to do this, he flew to Chicago, rented a car from Chicago, drove a thousand miles to Vermont, and used a murder kit that he had hidden two years earlier to perform the murders. Oh my God! These are these people exist. They are out he has there. Too much time on his hands. Well, yeah, that's, well, that's what, a long game. It, it's a very long game. And how many people like him are out there? 
they don't have a pattern or an MO, so, you know, it could be going on. This is a possibility. He could have done that, and he was known for taking bodies across state lines to just, uh, you know, put them somewhere else so they wouldn't be found mm-hmm. as well. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it's Israel Keys. We should actually talk about him one day, but look it up. It's very interesting. He burglarized a lot of homes, didn't admit to a lot of stuff. People, No clue how much he did because of how he committed his crimes. Mm-hmm. So there is that possibility. And yeah. I'll, you know, I got one little tidbit that I'm going to drop right at the end of this. So that's all I'm going to stop. Right oh, there. you're going to drop a bomb. Yeah. You're I'm going to, gonna, drop the mic on I'm going to drop a mic on you. So, <laughs> so I guess I could also agree that perhaps that it's so hard for me to believe that they missed him coming back out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess anything is possible. Uh, if he did, I mean, yeah, it's it could be very likely that he got in an altercation on the street or he got jumped or whatever and um, was killed. I think I still stick to my theory, though, that something happened inside the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Jasmine. Well, well, my theory is just kind of it's a little bit it's, a, it's happier for sure, but it also means that Brian's kind of like a douche. But I like to go with the fact of him doing like a voluntary off the grid hermitage and enlisting Clint's help in kind of disappearing. I know mm-hmm. that, Brad, you went on depth very much mm-hmm. about Clint not taking the polygraph test for a very good reason. But there's a lot of people out there who said that the reason why Clint didn't take the polygraph test wasn't because he had been somehow responsible for like the murder of Brian Schaefer, but more in the disappearance of Brian Schaefer and that he would somehow implicate himself by taking the lie detector test. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of my theory is just basically Brian obviously needed a way to escape the life that he had right now. Like no matter how good looking, no matter how successful he was, no matter how happy he was, his rock in his life is gone. His mother's death might've affected been a, far more serious gravitous way than anyone would have thought. So I would like to think that he's on some sort of beach. Maybe yeah. in a Jimmy Buffett cover band, but then also that's just incredibly selfish and yeah. seemingly out of character, even though everything we know is, you know, based on what everyone else is saying, but still yep. that's he just the have- happiest ending rather than yeah. him getting jumped, him somehow falling into a hell hole or something like that. But yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Because my other theory is yes. Yes. I have a couple a abducted mm-hmm. by aliens <laughs> B fell into like a hell hole a la Sunnydale mm-hmm. that just happened to be underneath the ugly tuna saluna. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we got swallowed up by like a demon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Three, the family is cursed because holy yeah. shit, worst luck ever. Yeah. Um, and so he just like got uh, like zapped away by magical curse things. Mm-hmm. Four, like Brad said, walked through a, <laughs> would you say he walked through like a time travel? A, a time portal, portal and ended up somewhere weird. Yep. yep. Yeah. So those four things are actually the most likely scenarios. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Wouldn't you say? I would say yeah. with aliens being number one, it could also five. I, I forgot if I'm doing numbers or letters. Five. <laughs> yes. Government cover up. Mm. Eh, no. He was a secret agent. Something went south. They had to suck him back out. 
Okay. Or six, a Russian spy. Also <laughs> had to extract him. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay. <laughs> Those are probably not the answers. <laughs> Good percentage or not. Okay. So, um, but they are creative. Yes, so they are creative. Okay, I have one last thing here. Since we're, are, did, Jasmine, were you done with your theories also? Yes, I'm okay. totally done. Ready for the mic drop. Okay, yes. ready for the mic drop. And you, you, this is this is interesting. So, I want to tell you a little bit about Kyle Fleshman. Oh, yes. Okay, so Kyle Fleshman was last seen um, leaving the Buckhead Saloon in Charlottesville, South Carolina, on November 9, 2007. He was intoxicated when he left the bar and was later seen at an uptown uh, pizza restaurant, apparently looking for a ride home. He tried unsuccessfully to call his sister, his roommate... (laughs) Uh, in his dad's office. And then he was gone. That was it. He has not been seen since. He is mm-hmm. just up and disappeared. That's all we got. Hmm. And Say his name again. Uh, Kyle Fleshman. Kyle Fleshman from South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. They they did some stuff on America's Most Wanted, hoping to get some tips. And there is nothing on it. The police have interviewed uh, employees of the pizza restaurant where he disappeared and everything else. They haven't found anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's he just kind of disappeared. Now, there's also a bunch of weird disappearances around the Charlotte uh, uh, area also, but that appears to be a whole different thing that I just came across. So, Ooh, yeah. We should solve them all. And you know what I just Googled, Kyle? Also incredibly good looking with perfect teeth. Yeah. And similar kind of looking to Brian. And that actually goes on one of these smiley face killer thoughts as well at some point. So down the mm-hmm. road. Uh, I actually just found out about this one uh, earlier today and I was like, oh, wow. So, I mean, here's another thing about somebody going out to a bar, getting drunk and disappearing and never being seen again. And having really good teeth. So it's probably the smiley face killer. And the smiley face killer just hates all these people because he has one snaggle tooth and he <laughs> no. doesn't have enough money to get it fixed. So he and his snaggle tooth just murder all the guys with perfect smiles. <sighs> Solved. No, I, I don't think it's that. So, <laughs> it, I yeah. mean. But it is kind of creepy that there's a similar enough case that far away. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same mm-hmm. thing too. I mean, people think maybe he wrong, wandered into the wrong area and he was killed. And then, well, why did they conceal the body or put it so hard to make it so hard? And you know, what questions, what happened? And it's the same thing that we have going on here. He was seen mm-hmm. in one place. He mm-hmm. wasn't seen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was never found. So. Yeah. Especially in these places, like, okay, you live near the bayou, like we talked about before you go missing. Well, we just assume you got fed to the alligators, right. but like disposing of a body in Ohio or South Carolina. Yeah. Someone would be a little bit more creative. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty gross to talk about apologies, yeah. but it's true, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it, it takes work to do that. I mean, not just anybody who accidentally kills somebody because they ran across the wrong person is going to be able to dispose of a body where the, as, where the person would never be found again with no evidence. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. it yeah. takes a certain type of person to be able to pull something like that off. Mm-hmm. So the idea that it could be a serial killer, I mean, is a possibility. Yep. All um, right. Do you guys have any other theories or mic drops you think we need to discuss with Brian? Nope. I am done. 
Yeah. All right. We're good. Yeah. That just scratches the surface. Like you guys, if you go do research, like on Reddit, like we said, there's a thread on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much out there because there's no evidence. People get kind of crazy with their theories, but I mean, I guess anything's possible. Yes. If you have theories you want to share about the Brian Schaefer disappearance, or if you want to suggest a case for us for the show for later on, you can comment in SoundCloud or on purefandom.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter, Jasmine at Blueberry Jelly, Lindy at Lindy R. Smith, and Brad at Brad ZB. And you can find Pure Fandom on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That is right. Thank you so much for joining us for this case. Until next time, for Jasmine and Brad, I'm Lindy, and you have been listening to Pure Murders and Mysteries. That's it for this episode. Head on over to purefandom.com for more awesome content.